Blog Talk Radio. Trust me, it'll come up. There is um, 
another station that picked us up over in India, which I thought was interesting. I think it interpreted it to Hindi and a number of those languages over there. So, you know, it's fantastic. So, yeah, if you get a chance, go check it out. Um, I've done a number of series, and, you know, I'm very, very proud of the work that we've done. You can check out shows by M.C. Brooks and Noah. Um, that's called The Breakbeat. Um, you can check out M. and Evil's show. They have several shows. Check out some of the older shows of um, Alfred and Carl, as well as the RSS feed by Raina. She has some really good shows out there, and she did several episodes on different science issues, uh, uh, conspiracy theories. I know that was a show she did. I did a follow-up on the Sunday show. Um, she did a review of Hidden Colors. You know, that was a really good show, and the only reason why I'm mentioning that is because I believe Hidden Colors 3 was just released. So after you watch that, if you decide to go out and watch that, go back and listen to our Saturday and Sunday review. It was quite interesting. Um, that's when I learned that I was a Negro bedwench. And to my surprise, I didn't know what a Negro bedwench was, so I had to go and educate myself via the Internet. And I guess I must say I disagree. I am not a Negro bedwench, but it was just too funny. Raina thought it was the most hilarious thing because I didn't know what it was, so I had to Google it. Anyway, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. And just a few announcements. Again, we've been announcing this since October of last year. October 11th and 12th of this year, we will be having our first annual People of Color Beyond Faith conference. The title of the conference is Moving Social Justice. So this will be taking place Saturday and Sunday, October 11th and 12th of 2014. We will be holding this conference at CFI Los Angeles in Los Angeles, California. Um, CFI is one of our sponsors, so is African Americans for Humanism, so is Secular Student Alliance. In addition to that, LA Progressive is another sponsor of this conference. And we've been having a couple of issues, but the link should be going up soon where you can register and contact the webmaster so that we can get a couple of things straightened out and get that set up so that you all can go on and start registering for this conference. And we thank you and we appreciate it, and we're looking forward to seeing you Definitely. Uh, we also have a fundraiser going. I've posted that from Indiegogo. I'll post it again either tonight or tomorrow morning, probably tomorrow morning more than likely. And we're having a fundraiser. We're trying to raise a total of $3,000 to go towards the conferences and these social justice projects. Our first project takes place June 27, 2014 in which we will be going out and on National um, National HIV Testing Day. And we'll be going out in several cities and um, distributing information and prophylactics and things of that nature. So we're looking forward to that. You know, we plan on working with 
you know, some local groups and getting out and getting into the community. So, you know, it's time. It's time that we start, you know, walking that walk. You know, we've been talking it, and many of us, you know, work other projects and have local projects, and you know, that we work alongside with other organizations, but we want to do it as one organization, as Black Skeptics Group, you know, under the umbrella of um, people of color beyond faith because it's a, you know, an aggregation of many projects. So, we're just looking forward to seeing you. And, again, this is open to everyone. If you want to come out and volunteer, we'll be in Chicago, Los Angeles, the DMV area, as well as Milwaukee and Houston, Texas. If you're somewhere else, let's say you're in, um, let me pick a city, Denver. You're in Denver, Colorado, and you would like to participate, just contact us, blackskeptics at gmail.com. Again, that's blackskeptics at gmail.com. Contact us, and we will see about getting you some supplies so that you can go out and be a part of it. You know, we want to see pictures. We want to hear about the experiences. We're so looking forward to that. And we'll be doing that particular venture again on December 1st. That's World AIDS Day. And there are many projects in between. We will be um, distributing um, back-to-school supplies to the children in August. And so we're looking for donations. We're looking for backpacks, school supplies, books, what have you, you know, rulers, pencils, pens, all of that. And all of that information is on the Indiegogo. I think I'll probably post that in a few minutes. And, you know, we're looking for all of that. And we have an address on there where you can send the donations and, you know, we'll pack them off and send them to the different locations so that, you know, it's an equal distribution. But, yeah, we're looking for all of these things. You know, we're looking for people to come out with us. So we're really excited. We're really excited about going back into the community, giving back, um, you know, as, you know, an organization. You know, many of us have been doing this as individuals, but now we want to go out as an organization. You know, we've been looking for this in the skeptics community, we've seen a couple of, you know, organizations go out there, but it's not nearly enough of us, and so that's what we're trying to do. I would like to thank Surly Amy with Surly Ramex. She donated some items for us, some necklaces, and we truly appreciate that. You know, she has a new group, and they'll be meeting at CFI Los Angeles, and all of that information, you know, should be coming forward soon. But, you know, contact Surly Amy. You know, contact her, especially if you're in the Los Angeles area and you're looking for another group. She's putting one together, and, you know, it looks like it's going to be fantastic. Another group in the Los Angeles area, I would be remiss if I didn't mention them, Black Skeptics Los Angeles. You know, you can contact them. They have a meetup page. Black Skeptic Chicago, you know, we have activities all of the time. I know Frank is the president of Black Skeptic Chicago, and they're putting together some activities, and it's always something to do. If they do something once or twice a month, the same thing in the DMV area, contact MC Brooks. MC Brooks is, you know, one of the people to contact for Chocolate City Skeptics. Let's see here, Milwaukee, you have Hillary, you know, contact Hillary. Let's see here in Houston, Houston Black Nonbelievers. You can contact Donald Wright. And again, you know, meetup pages, go look for us out there. All of that information is out there. If you can't find it, contact these people on Facebook and or Twitter. 
So, you know, I, I appreciate you all listening to that and, you know, taking, you know, our request into consideration because, again, you know, some people, you may not have, you know, finances to donate. I mean, but, again, if you have book book packs or book backpacks, I call them bookcases, but um, backpacks, um, school supplies or what have you, you know, that's needed. We'll also be doing an outreach to the homeless. So, you know, just used clothing, um, you know, things of that nature. It can be toiletries, um, you know. We're, we're looking for all of that. And in addition to that, later on in the year, um, you know, there are some things that we're going to implement as well. So it's going to be some more projects. So, again, we just wanted to bring that to your attention and encourage you to work with local groups in your area, work with people that, you know, need the help. You know, there are a lot of people out here that are disadvantaged, that are hurting. There are people out here that, you know, at one point in time were donating to these causes, and now they're receiving the donations because the economy has had an effect on a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. You know, I have seen some stories in which it's stated that um, some of the people who were once you know, donating to the food pantries are now standing in line waiting to receive, you know, supplies. So, you know, it's hard out here. You know, I've seen some, you know, stories going around in my news feed on Facebook and on Twitter, and, you know, there are people out here that need help. So I just want to make sure that, you know, we're part of that particular solution and we get out here and we do our part. And, again, you know, if you're someone in the community and you need assistance, reach out. Reach out and let us know. And, you know, we'll see if we can get you to, you know, some organizations out here or if we can help you. But you have to reach out and tell us. You know, let us know. We can't guess. So, you know, again, you know, we appreciate you. And there are a lot of secular organizations out there that are helping the community. You know, Joe Zemecki with his, you know, um, you know, groups. He has one in Austin and he has one in Houston. You know, they help the homeless. They just had um, an event a week or two ago, and they went out into the community, and it was very successful. So, you know, I'm really happy to hear about, you know, these types of outreach programs. So, again, get out there. We want you to be a part of the solution. We definitely want you to get out there and help. Because, I mean, it's cathartic. You know, it makes you feel good to know that you're helping people that need help and that, you know, you are a part of the community, that, you know, your efforts and your contributions, they do matter. So we talked about that. <laughs> Trying to remember everything that, you know, I wanted to announce. Um, so we talked about June 27th. We talked about the conference, um, the scholarship program, the Black Skeptics Group, First in a Family Humanist Scholarship. You know, they're still taking donations for that. You can PayPal them a donation at blackskeptics at gmail.com. Again, blackskeptics at gmail.com. They're still taking donations for that as well. Last year they gave away five scholarships. They're looking to give away, um, you know, just as many this year. And we're also going to expand it next year. So, you know, again, you know, always, you know, something going on, always a contribution going back to the community, and next year that scholarship is going to be open to not only 
um, young people or even older people who are looking to go back to school that have been in part of groups that have been marginalized, so homeless, foster children, um, runaways, LGBTQ, homeless children, um, just a number of things, but we're also opening it up to people who have been convicted of offenses that will not allow them to file or receive any financial aid. So, you know, we're opening up that as well so that, you know, people that have been basically um, indicted for drug offenses who are no longer eligible for financial aid, you know, we're opening it up to them as well. And, you know, when we talk about these things, we actually want you to go out and research it because, you know, there are a lot of people that may have, you know, uh, had some difficulties in their lives and they're trying to go back to school or find employment and they're just having a really hard time. You know, reach out and talk to somebody. Find out what's happening. You know, um, there are some people, you know, that life has just been hard. So, you know, again, you know, my thoughts and my heart goes out to you. And, you know, send us an email. We'll be more than happy to speak with you. If you want to send me an email, you can, blackfreethinkers at gmail.com. Again, my email address is blackfreethinkers at gmail.com. So I think I made all of those announcements. People of Color Beyond Faith, we will be having a webcast this month, and we'll be having a couple in July. You know, things just get, um, you know, we had a lot of things going on in the background. We had to get that situated. So, you know, again, we're going to be back on track, getting things situated again, and we just thank you for your patience. So today is part two of my Losing My Religion series. We did one a couple of weeks ago. Well, actually, it was three weeks ago. I did part one two weeks ago. I did a show with Dr. Jeffrey Perry, and we discussed and talked about Hubert Henry Harrison and the invention of the white race by Theodore Allen. And that was an excellent show, guys. If you get a chance, go listen to that. We went into overtime. It was just really exciting. And I've talked about Hubert Henry Harrison on a number of occasions on the show. And, you know, I've told you guys how much, you know, he's one of my heroes. And that show just, you know, put it all on point and gave you even more of a reason to want to know who that man is. I just love him. And go out and do your research. You know, there are many people that have been influenced him, you know, myself also, so I'm doing more research into him. And if you want some more information, you can go to Jeffrey B. JeffreyBPerry.net. Again, that's JeffreyBPerry.net. Or you can just look up Jeffrey Perry. Hubert Henry Harrison, Google that, it'll pop right up. It's the first one. So, again, he has a lot of resources on that page. You know, I uh, suggest that you all check that out. You can find the videos on YouTube, and, you know, it's just absolutely amazing. But, yeah, Hubert Henry Harrison, way, way ahead of his time. I've always, you know, enjoyed him, and I'm glad to see that more of his writing, more of his philosophy is being made available. It's needed and it's apropos for what we're dealing with, you know, in these times. So today's show 
is overcome, take control, and let go. Losing my religion part two. And so, you know, I wanted to do this series. Um, We did part one. And part one, you know, I just went over some preliminaries, basically telling you some of what I had gone through um, as a person, as a former believer. um, It was hard. You know, I'll be the first one to admit that, you know, I had some difficulties, you know, letting go. Even though I really stopped believing when I was 11, 12, you know, because I was raised in that type of environment, in that household, in a family of believers, like I said, I come from a long a long line of ministers, and it was just hard. It was hard because um, I went back to the church in my 20s because, you know, some friends and some families, you know, members convinced me that, you know, I was saying things to the eyes of a child and so that I needed to go back as an adult to, you know, give it another chance. And so I did. And I went back, and I was very sincere, dedicated, you know, just on fire for the Lord, if you will. And it was just, you know, it was an experience. That's the best that I can say. It was an experience. I saw some things, and I realized many of the things that I saw as a child, I actually saw. It was not a figment of my imagination that, you know, the things that I had been experiencing and seeing other people experience, they were very real. So, you know, when I made the decision that I was going to walk away and that, you know, it made no sense because, I mean, I went to several different churches. You know, I wanted to make sure that, you know, maybe it wasn't the, you know, the house of worship that I was at at the time. You know, maybe it was those people, that pastor, not teaching the word the way it should be taught, went to another church, some of the same issues and different issues. And I was like, wow. And so then I went to another church. And that was a mega church. And what did I do that for? You know, but I mean, I was dedicated. I went to the classes, you know, the new membership classes in which they tell you to be a good steward, which basically means give all of your money and time to them. And, you know, <laughs> you know, they're teaching you all of these things, you know, and you have to memorize these Bible verses and repeat it to, um, you know, the teachers, and if you get all five of them right, you know, um, you memorize it, you know, it's rote memory, and, you know, you get your name checked off, you can go to the next class, and then at the end you go to the breakfast of champions, so they feed you a free breakfast at the old country buffet, and it was just, it was just wild, but I was for real. I was for I was like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. My mother was so proud because I'm telling you, I was on fire, you know, to preach you under a pew, okay, and knew it and was on top of it. And so what happened was they had these additional classes that you could take, you know, these, um, you know, classes that they offered on a weekday evenings. It got to the point that I actually moved from one side of town to another side of town, and I was about five minutes away from the church. You know, that's how dedicated I was to that. And 
I moved there, and I was there. I was taking those classes, and of course, you had to pay for these additional classes. But I faithfully paid, wanted to make sure that I was dividing the word properly, as you know, as it needed to be. And I figured this is a bigger church, more experienced people. You know, they've been at this for a while. I started taking those classes reading the book that they told me to read, and reading the Bible. Now, this is the thing. You know, they give you scriptures in these classes, but I decided to be an astute student, right? And I started reading the entire Bible. And I started going, hmm, wait a minute. This doesn't line up with what they're telling us here. But I was faithful. I went and bought me a concordance. You know, right now I still have all of that stuff. I have comprehensive Bibles. I have concordances. I have, you know, I have a Tanakh. I have a Hadass. I have an Ethiopic Bible. I have um, a 1611 Bible. And, you know, I looked through this stuff. I actually still read some of this. You know, um, you know, I still watch certain programs on television to see what they're teaching people. And I started reading all of these things, and it didn't line up with what the Bible said. So, you know, now I'm looking at them, and so I started asking questions. And that wasn't um, received very well. Um, So I was sent to speak with some other individuals, you know, and, you know, I was told that I was leaning to my own understanding and that this is what this really means. And then I would ask about this particular passage of scriptures, and I would be told that I'm taking it out of context. And I'm like, I'm taking an entire chapter of the Bible out of context? Really? And, you know, it wasn't even a whole book. It was just a chapter in a particular book. And... We started going back and forth, and I just kind of backed down because I was in good favor with these people. You know, I was um, beginning to be known and, you know, so on and so forth. So I let it go. But I continued to study and read on my own. And I, (laughs) I just came to the realization that, you know, these people were being played. And that's what it all boiled down to, and especially when no one could answer some of the questions, and then I started questioning some of the accounting practices. Um, You know, other members, I had a couple of members that I would see upset, and one time I stopped and I, you know, asked the young woman what was her, you know, issue, why was she so upset? And she was saying that she had to ask the church for um, some assistance because she, you know, needed assistance with some of her bills and that, you know, after they looked through the books and saw that she had been a tithe, you know, giving, you know, you know, love offering, giving, you know, member, they helped her. But at the same time, they set her down from, you know, the ministry in which she was volunteering because she was not being a good steward over her finances. So they didn't feel that she could be an effective and true, you know, leader. And I just shook my head and I said, so because you ran into some personal difficulties, they took your ministry or, you know, your your participation in ministry from you. 
and she was really upset about that. And I started hearing other stories because I started questioning things. And it was just really interesting. I remember seeing a fight break out between two women who wanted to sit on the front seat, you know, during the sermon. You know, you get to church and... You know, if you're not there for the first sermon, when it's time to go for the second sermon, you stand in line. And so the line will be going all the way to the back, but you're standing in line waiting for the first service to release. And once they started emptying the, you know, the auditorium, and then they would start letting people in, and people would be running for seats, and, you know, you had certain people that you knew would be sitting in certain sections, and if you sat in their seat, you know, they would ask you to move or just give you some of the some of the nastiest looks. It was just, you know, really interesting. Um, it was just, wow. But, you know, you know, as I started reading more, and then by this time, you know, I was expanding what I was reading. There was a website out there called xchristian.net. And on xchristian.net, you know, there are very various people who write for that particular website. They have a message board, but that site helped me tremendously. As a matter of fact, Dr. Valerie Terrico, who's a psychologist, you know, reading some of her writings, and in particular, she did this series on cognitive dissonance. That right there, you know, that was the icing on the cake for me. It truly was. And, you know, my show that I did a couple of weeks ago, my first part of the series was Shedding the Cloak of Fear, Guilt, Silence, and Shame. So, you know, just talking about those different things, going in the forum and talking on the message boards and, you know, not only just that particular site, but there were several sites that I had visited and I started reading and, you know, finding out, you know, where the Bible how it originated and, you know, how it was canonized. And, you know, even before this, I had a copy of the Apocrypha. So I was reading books that were part of the Bible that weren't part of the Bible. And I have a Catholic Bible as well. If you all get a chance to get a Catholic Bible, you will see that the Catholic Bible is different from the King James Version of the Holy Bible. There are books in the Catholic Bible. So I started learning things about Lilith and you know, a bunch of different things. And I was like, who is this Lilith? You know, and this was in a Catholic Bible, and it wasn't in the Holy Bible. And I started reading, and I was like, you know, why are these books different? Why, why aren't they telling us about these things? And so I started investigating, started investigating. So I started getting past that fear that is instilled in you. You know, they tell you, you know, to read and rightly divide the, the word of God the way that they teach you. And this is one of the reasons why they're scared and they don't want you to go to other churches. They don't want you to visit other ministries or if you visit another ministry, ministry it's usually within their particular denomination, but they don't even really care for you to visit churches of the same denomination. They want you there. They want you dating within that church. They don't want you dating outside because of the chance that, you know, your partner may influence you and influence you to become a member of their particular church. So it's just it's really interesting, you know, how all of this came about. But, again, getting over that fear, getting over the guilt, Silence and shame, because as I was reading this, you know, reading about, you know, uh, 
you know, different books of the Bible, different information that I had not been exposed to, I started to get scared. I look around, I was starting to get a little paranoid there, like, should I know this? Am I supposed to know this? Am I supposed to be reading this? You know, um, it was just, it was interesting. So as I was going through that and transitioning and questioning things, I, you know, was scared to tell people. I was scared to share it. So, you know, we had that fear. You know, we had that silence. It's like, you know, maybe I should keep it to myself. But I started talking to some of my believers' friends, and they were saying, oh, you're just confused, or stop reading that. Why are you reading that? And why are you asking all of these questions? And, you know, one believer friend you know, she was like, why do you have to read it? She she was like, can't you just be happy? You know, I had another friend who said, why can't you just conform? You refuse to conform. And they know I've been that all my life. I've just, I've questioned things, and I will continue to question things. I question everything. I, don't, I not only question religion, I question every facet of my life. And I apply that critical thinking and that logic to every area of my life. Am I perfect? No. Do I make mistakes all the time? You know, and it's a learning experience. But, you know, I had to get over that. And then, you know, in addition to that, you know, you know, having people trying to silence me or me um, subconsciously silencing myself, like, oh, don't say that you know, or, you know, don't think that, and, you know, getting over the guilt and, you know, because once those scales start falling from your eyes or as the veil is lifted, if you will, um, you start seeing things and you start looking at things a little bit differently. And, you know, that kind of takes us into into today's show in which, you know, I I put one of the uh, photos up there and it says, you know, uh, things, you know, things around you start to change. The way you look at things start to change when you change the way you look at them. And I started seeing all of, you know, the absurdities of what I had been taught, what I had been doing, how I had been thinking you know, just different things, and I was like, this is wrong. My response to situation A, B, and C has been wrong. Excuse me. And, you know, again, the fear started creeping in because it was like, who have I hurt? Who have I damaged? Who have I misled? You know, and, I mean, I've even been on this show, and I've apologized to anybody that I have led to Christ. You know, um, you know, I have a niece, one niece in particular. She was like, you, you prompted me to go to church. And I was like, I am so sorry. And she was like, no, this is the best thing. And I'm like, it was wrong. And she was like, no, it's the right thing. And I'm like, you'll see one day. You'll see one day, you know. And, uh, you know, you know, sometimes I get a little upset because, you know, I did have some influence on people. And... You know, if I could go back and do it all over again, I would. You know, that's one of the things that, you know, I would change. So, you know, I started growing. You know, not only growing in the evolution of my thoughts, you know, what I was reading about, what I was learning about, 
that started growing, you know, I started shedding, you know, a lot of that, relig- that religiosity. I was able to identify things that are so embedded in our culture. You know, someone sneezes, automatically you have people saying, bless you, whether it's a Spanish, French, English, what have you. And, you know, I went to the Zoom tight after that, and then now I just say, be well. And people are like, why do you say anything at all? I'm like, I just can't help it. I have manners. So, you know, I tell people to be well when they sneeze. Um, it's just you learn how to identify different things and it's just interesting, um, you know, I no longer, you know, because I went through um, a number of changes, and I'm sure many of you all go through some of these same changes, and we've talked about it on the show, you know, I know I've talked about the stages of grief, and so I'm going to incorporate a little bit of that today in today's show, and, you know, I like to use the seven-stage model, you know, they have a five-stage model, they have a nine-stage, I've seen 11-stage models, you have different stages, but the one I like the best, actually, is the seven stages, and the first stage is shock and denial, the second stage is pain and guilt, the third stage, anger and bargaining, the fourth stage, depression, reflection, loneliness, the fifth stage, the upward turn, Sixth stage, reconstruction and working through. The seventh stage, acceptance and hope. Now, you know, the whole thing, you know, I personally was just shocked, you know, because I always considered myself a thinking person. I always considered myself um, an intelligent person and, you know, how I got pulled back into it. You know, I do know. You know, I want to say I don't know, but I know perfectly well how I got pulled back into religion as an adult. And, again, this went on for years. You know, I had friends, you know, um, and the person that I was dating at the time, you know, they were really into church. And they had a very big influence on me. And they always seemed so happy and especially on Sundays, and I just wanted to see what that was about. You know, I was pretty happy with my life, but my my happiness was nowhere near their happiness, at least that's what it seemed like. And so I started going to church, and, of course, you know, the pastors, you know, um, found their way to me and would talk to me and would find out that I knew how to do certain things and you know, that would excite them because I could help them with some of their programs. And it was just, it was an experience. And I I won't say that I was suckered in, but what I would say is perception is not always reality. Perception is not necessarily reality. So I went back of my own volition, of my own choice. And... When I went back and I started seeing these things, and when I got to the point where I was like, you know, this is nothing but smoke and mirrors, and looking around and, you know, looking behind the mask that many of them wear, you know, I was seeing a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of dysfunction, you know, not only in their lives, in my life too. And, you know, it forced me to face myself. 
and to realize, you know, what was really going on around me and to stop living in denial, stop living in this, you know, fabricated ideal of a life. You know, because, you know, they send you out there and they say, you know, you're ambassadors of Christ and you're supposed to go and preach and teach the word to everyone. And, you know, um, you know, I've had pastors tell me that you have to be exuberant. You have to, you know, be happy and give people hope, give them hope. You know, you know, spread joy and just let them feel that there is hope. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you're depressed. It doesn't matter if you're going through some personal changes. Um, only thing that matters is keeping them happy, keeping them motivated to come to church, keeping them wanting to, you know, um, praise and, you know, be a part of the congregation and be a part of what's happening. And it didn't matter what we were going through, pray about it, pray it off, shout it off, whatever. But what you're dealing with personally didn't matter. And I thought that was wrong. And, you know, I was like, well, why can't they know that we have problems just like them? And he was like, they don't care. They just want to see that you're happy and that the Lord is working in your life. And I always felt that, that was hypocritical. And so it caused me to want to start looking at their lives a lot closer, examining their lives. And, you know, <laughs> you know, I started paying more attention. And I was like, this is a facade. You're putting on a facade. <clears throat> and, you know, I... I know many ministers and people in the ministry and people in churches. And, you know, one of the things that I used to say to them, you know, when I was a believer, because, you know, I didn't drink, I didn't smoke, I didn't do drugs or any of those things. And, you know, even then I was pretty conservative with, you know, my beliefs and the way that I lived my life. And, you know, I, I used to question things. I was like, well, you know, if this music is of the world, why are you listening to it? You know, if you're not, you know, if the Bible speaks speaks against drunkenness, um, why are you drinking? You know, and so I never could understand, you know, why they were being hypocritical because I, I saw them as being hypocrites. And they were like, no, 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 God forgives you. You know, he's delivering us. And, you know, I had my issue, you know, um, being part of the LGBT community, they saw that as my issue, if you will. And they're like, God can deliver you from that. And I'm like, God can deliver me from that. And I'm like, and that's coming from someone else that's part of the community? How is God going to deliver me from, you know, being a part of the LGBT community and you're telling me this and you're doing the same thing I am? How does that work? And so, you know, as time went on, and I was trying to live up to the word and, and actually, you know, live that life. You know, I actually left my partner and, you know, tried to resituate. And, you know, I left that church, went to a different church, and that's when I ended up at the mega church. You know, hoping and wishing, <clears throat> excuse me, that things would change. And actually, you know, it didn't change. It was the same thing. I was seeing the same thing even there. 
and I'm like, is this all just one big-ass stage play, and everybody is playing a part, and no one told me that this was just a show. So I'm sitting there, so, you know, that's when the anger started creeping in because I'm like, everybody else is doing what they want to do. I'm trying to do what this book says I should do, and this is bullshit. And so I started doing, you know, went back, found a partner, pulled them back in. I was like, oh, hell no, I'm not going to be miserable. And so, uh, you know, it was an experience. And I went through those stages of grief. And, you know, the interesting thing is is that, you know, my partner was the one encouraging me the most to go to church. And, you know, they would give that scripture, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Well, after we went through that transition and I broke off the relationship because it was not standing with the word of God when we got back together. Um, do you know, <laughs> she discouraged me from going to church. She was like, no, you don't need to go. <laughs> and I was like, why not? You know, you wanted me to go so badly. And she was like, no, 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 you don't need to go. You just sit at home and read your other books, you know. And it was just really interesting because at that point, uh, I found it interesting that I had a Christian telling me to stop going to those churches, even her church. And so it was just the funniest thing because she doesn't realize it because she even helped influence me to walk away and to look at the broader picture, if you will. So <clears throat> she would never admit that, and I've never really talked to her about it. But it would be the funniest thing because every once in a while I would want to go and visit a church, and she would play 20 questions with me. And, you know, I went to visit this one Calvinist church, and she was like, oh, you can go visit them. And then after I visited the church, I knew why. She knew I was going to go there and be bored silly. You know, they had a, an acoustic guitar. It was hot. And I, to this day, I still don't know anything what that man said because I was sleepy and hungry. So it was just interesting, you know, how that played a role. But, again, you know, I was sitting there, and I was going, you know, through all of these things. And like I said, I was just shocked. And I was like, no, it can't be true. So I was in denial about what was going on around me. I was in denial about you know, the fact that people had been lying to me all my life, you know, not only family members, you know, but, you know, friends and in some cases authority figures that, you know, I respected that would talk to me about the Bible, that would talk to me about living a Christian life, that would talk to me about living, you know, you know a holy life. And I was like, you know, could you just tell me about ethics and morality? I mean, I already knew that I had a set of ethics, a standard of morals that I had for myself. But, you know, scaring people into behaving a certain way, well, you know, how ethical is that? So I started examining these things and started, you know, going through that transition and it was painful, you know, and that's where the pain and guilt comes from, you know, and then I started feeling guilty because I was learning these things and looking at things in such a different way 
that, you know, I started looking at other people like they were three-headed monsters. Like, how can you believe that? That's not true. Or they're talking in generalities, especially, you know, sometimes they would drag me off to a special at church or what have you. And, you know, you would have a prophet or a prophetess up there, you know, talking about, religion, and and they'll be prophesying, if you will. And, you know, it would be a room of two, three hundred people, primarily um, people of color, you know, black people. And they would say, someone is having trouble on the job, you know, with this young woman. If you're having problems at the job, you know, with the young woman at the job, stand up. So, you know, it would be a few people that would stand up, you know, that weren't afraid to stand up because there would be some, but they didn't want to stand up because, you know, a lot of people just want to be a part of the background. They don't necessarily want to be noticed. And then, you know, she or he would prophesy that things would get better on the job in a week, and then they would ask them for an offering. Or, you know, maybe not then, but a little bit later. And then they would say, you know, somebody is having issues with their sugar, diabetes. Well, you got a room of two or 300 black people, you know, yes, there are going to be people out there that are diabetic. And then they'll say someone is having problems with high blood pressure. Well, yeah, you know, statistics show that, you know, in, in that particular room that you're going to have a certain number of people that have, you know, high blood pressure, hypertension, heart disease, diabetes, you know, a number of, you know, different issues, you know, and they were just playing the numbers. It's a numbers game, and they were just guessing. And, you know, because we're seeking, we're seeking answers, we're seeking validation, we're seeking to know that we're not out here alone, you know, people were standing up and you would see them crying because you never know what a person's situation is. Maybe they had just gone to the doctor a few days earlier and maybe they went from type 2 diabetes to type 1. So, yes, that's going to have an effect on you to go from being told to exercise and, eat, you know, eat a certain way to being told that now you have to take insulin for the rest of your life. You know, that has an effect on people, you know, on being told that, you know, now you're on blood pressure pills for the rest of your life. You know, that has an impact on people. And so, you know, you would have people crying or you'll have someone that, you know, uh, found a way or had you know, overcome whatever issue, and they're just happy to not be dealing with that particular situation. So what they were doing, they were exploiting people. They were exploiting their pain. They were exploiting their guilt. They were exploiting their desperation, you know, their hope for a better tomorrow, their hope for a better situation. It was being exploited and manipulated. And so... As I was going through and I would watch this, I would feel guilty. I would feel guilty. I would want it to stand up and say, he's lying to you or she's, you know, she's a liar. She's not telling you the truth. But I couldn't do that. I couldn't do it. So I would feel guilt about all of that. And I would talk to, you know, certain friends about it. And, you know, they would give me that scripture, touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. So, you know, you're not supposed to speak against you know, the man or woman of God. And I was like, you can't even talk about, you know, how they're misleading people? And they're like, no. And I was like, but you were just gossiping about you all found him in a gay club a couple of weeks ago. Well, that's different. And I was like, how is that different? 
and they couldn't give me an answer. So that prompted me to go and do some research and to look some things up. And when I started researching that particular scripture about touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm, you know, it was about physical harm. You know, I don't believe any of it, but I'm like, if you're going to believe it, put it in context. But, you know, if that was the case, then, you know, why did David talk about Saul? Why did Nathan talk about David? You know, you know, why did Paul call Peter out and so on and so forth if, if you weren't supposed to, you know, say things and correct, you know, a man or woman of God? You know, why weren't they killed instantly? So, you know, a lot of that fear tactics you know, we've talked about the fear tactics. And so then that's when I got into the anger real deep because I started getting angry because, you know, you've been lied to, you've been tricked, you've been manipulated, you've been guilted into succumbing to things that you normally would not adhere to. And it's like, you know, anger that you have all of this information and all of this knowledge, and you can't unlearn what you learned. So now you're angry about that because it's like, you know, when I would go to church then and even now to this day, when I go to church, I'm looking around like, what the hell is going on? And the pastors and the ministers, the ones, you know, in the upper echelons of the ministry, they see it, and they'll catch you and they mark you, and they know who you are, and they know you're looking around like, I can't believe this shit. And that's why they'll end up talking about (laughs) unbelievers or non-believers. And it's it's just interesting, but they started being able to pick me out because they would see me looking around, you know, and I would just be incredulous, like looking. And, you know, I've even had a couple of them that said, you don't shout about anything now. You know, you don't talk in tongues. No. And, you know, I even tried that for a while, you know, speaking in tongues. All I was doing was speaking in Japanese. They didn't know what I was talking about, you know, but it's one of the languages that I speak fluently. And the whole experience was mind-boggling, absolutely mind-boggling. But, you know, I'm still standing on the line, standing on the cusp, and by this time I'm bargaining. And, you know, because it's like I could go either way. I got one foot in and one foot out. And so, you know, I started talking to God or what I perceived as God or the deity or the supreme being. And I was like, look, I'm getting ready to go. I said, you need to do something to show me that you're really real. Give me one more chance. And then it was another chance after that. And then it was another chance after that. You know, bargaining. I'm like, you got to show me. you got to show me. Come on, please. Begging. And nothing. And then finally one day, you know, I just felt like Angela Bassett struck the match, threw it behind me, and walked away. You know, said that you know, old life on fire and walked away from it. And, you know, by this time, the anger was deep. The anger was strong. It was like a white fire, if you will, and extremely frustrated, confused, all of these things. Didn't know what to think anymore. It was just like, wow, you know. And so that's when I realized it was time to, you know, take control of my life, take control of my thoughts, 
let go of that old life. Like I said, by that time, I struck the match, threw it over my shoulder, and I didn't look back, you know, because I was able to overcome, you know, a lot of those strongholds, if you will, you know, because by this time, you know, my friends and family, they're like, wait a minute, you changed. And I was like, no, I didn't change. And they're like, yeah, you changed. Something about you is different. And they didn't like it. And I got to the point where I I was like, I don't care if you don't like it. And I started challenging and critiquing their religion and what the pastor said and what they would say. And it just got to a point when, when they would say, get away from me with that, Kim. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about this with you anymore. You know, no religion talk with you. We could talk about everything else but religion. And then when, you know, they would have dinner parties, because my invitations to these things were slowly drying up, which I thought was quite interesting, but I would be invited to these dinner parties, and someone would bring up religion, and you would see them shaking their head, no. And it would be the funniest thing. And they would be looking at them and, you know, doing a hand across the neck and a shaking of the head, and they would point to me, and and I would just start laughing because I would catch them in the mirror or I would turn around and see them. And so it was the funniest thing. I mean, even at the salon, at the hair salon, you know, that was back when I had, um, you know, the relaxer. You know, I would get my hair done every week. And, you know, a lot of the pastors' wives would go, you know, come to this shop. And this one particular uh, famous gospel singer, um, his wife would come in there all the time. You know, I knew that whole family. And it was interesting because I used to make jokes about why is it that they release one or two albums and then everybody wants to be a pastor. I'm like, they need a new income stream. And I used to talk about the church folk all the time. And, you know, my hairstylist, well, her messy self, she would sit there and crack up because half the time I didn't know who was ministers or pastors or pastors' wives or what have you. And, you know, what the lay people would be sitting there cracking up because I would say comments like stupid-ass church people. I mean, I was really angry. I was just mad at the world by this point. And so, um, you know, I'm, you know, they would start conversations up, and I would just rake them over the coals. And then one time this one particular um, pastor's wife, the gospel singer, um, she was like, how did we get started about this? You know, who started her on this? <laughs> and, you know, my stylist and her husband, they would just laugh because they knew. And it would just be the funniest thing because they would do that and set me off on purpose because, you know, it was amusing to them because they liked to see the other people uncomfortable because they couldn't refute me with their scriptures. They would give me a scripture. I would give them a scripture in return and break it down and tell them that they're wrong and they couldn't refute it. And then I would start asking logical questions. And, you know, it was just a big old mess. But, you know, we found a way to work through that. But it was, you know, it was interesting. And, you know, part of my anger was I would go on religious blogs, you know, on the Internet, as well as atheist blogs. And, you know, I would challenge the religious people. I mean, I've been banned from several blogs, you know. And I've gone back to certain blogs and certain people, and I've apologized since then, you know, and it's not that I'm, that I don't hold any anger, it's just a little bit more of a controlled anger, it's more righteous anger than anything else, um, I'm not angry at people anymore, 
um, I learned how to overcome that. I learned how to reel that in. I learned how to control that. And so, you know, it, it takes time. And this is part of that evolution as you're growing, you know, for you new non-believers out there, and in some cases some non-believers that have been here for a while. You know, I see a lot of anger on Facebook and Twitter and other forums, and I understand. I've been there. But you're going to have to learn to let that go because you can't blame all religious people for what you went through. You know, it was, you know, some hard conversations that needed to be had with some friends and some family members, and, no, it wasn't easy. And so then you go, I went into, I can only talk about myself. You know, I got depressed. I got very extremely depressed. And so, you know, that one stage, you know, and this is actually the fourth stage, you get depressed, um, you start reflecting, you're lonely, because you're lonely now because you don't have anyone to talk to. You know, um, and you go through these things because it's like you feel as though you're out here by yourself. I see you, 813. Give me a few minutes and I'll pull you in. You know, you feel like you're lonely. You feel like you're all by yourself out here. And even though I found the forums and, you know, you know, talk on the message boards and talk to these people about, you know, my transitioning and get a, getting a better understanding and, you know, things that I used to have questions about, I now found answers. You know, I'm telling you, Google is your best friend. And, you know, talking to these people, but I'll be the first one to say, I didn't see anybody that looked like me. And it was important to me to know that I wasn't out here because I had church people telling me that I was the only person thinking like this and that I was thinking wrong that I was looking at things the wrong way. And so they had me thinking it was me. So, you know, so I'm depressed thinking that I'm out here thinking all of this stuff by myself, and then they would tell me that's that white people thinking. And I'm like, okay, I'm already being ostracized because of a few things in the, you know, the black community. I'm being looked at one way. And now I'm, you know, thinking like, oh, it was a mess. I was a mess. Let me tell you about it. And... You know, I just, it was hard to deal with. Let me bring in 813. Let's pull them into the conversation. Hey, Mask is calling. Hey, sure, it's Matthew from Stickman Radio out in Tampa, Florida. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Matthew. How are you? I am blessed, highly favored, and free from all fear of man. How about that? I know that's right. So what's going on, Matt? All right, so I... um Sometimes in my times when I'm preparing for my show, because we also have a show here on Blog Talk called Stickman Radio, Skin Deep Theology. And um, so I peruse through the live shows, and I, I, if I see something that catches my attention, I grab it and I, um, I, I jump in. And now I have to be fair. I only heard just a portion of, your, uh, of what you were saying just a minute ago, saying that um, – you, you would get into this, and I, I could have misunderstood, but you were getting into discussions with religious people, um, and they would quote scripture to you, and they would tell you you were wrong, and then you would end up going back and giving them scripture and going deeper into it and explaining, and they I don't know whether they would have an answer for you or not. Um, did I get that right? You get that absolutely correct. You get it absolutely correct. I would correct their misunderstanding, and they couldn't refute it. 
All right. Well, my, my statement to that is, and a little bit of it is, I'm not siding with you because we, I don't know whether you're an agnostic or an atheist or just a free thinker, but of course, I, I, obviously, I would hope that you would believe that I believe in the creator of this universe, and, and I believe every word in the Bible, and I will never try to use circular reasoning to try to prove my point. So I assure you I won't take up uh, a lot of your airtime trying to use circular reasoning because circular reasoning doesn't even make sense. If you look exactly. at it, I know the – well, I know the but, – but I know, well, let me, let me articulate. Let me be a little bit more articulate. The circular reasoning argument that atheists want to put up, um, it, it doesn't make sense. I, how do I know the president lives in the White House? It's because I can look into the White House and know that the president is there. That's how I know that I know that I know. So how do I know that God exists? I'm, I, it's hard for me to, to speak to – or no, I mean it's easy for me to say the things that I want to say to either free thinkers, a, a, atheists, agnostics, or, or unbelievers, mm-hmm. and to say, to say that – well, I believe this because the Bible says so, but how can I convince someone else if they don't believe that the Bible or God exists? So exactly. we do the exact same things. We go and we ask thought-provoking questions. Before I get to that, though, I, I do want to say something. You had, t- you had mentioned that after that statement, you had mentioned that um, you, were, you would talk to family and friends, and you felt alone, and people were telling you that's, that's whitey's thinking. Now, I take offense, I take offense not, not, I, t- I don't take offense because you said that. I take offense on that, think, that kind of thinking, because I, I believe that I don't care whether you're white, purple, black, green, yellow, or orange. I don't think it's the Bible that's creating atheists these days. It's the ones that profess to know Jesus and can't stand in the midst of adversity when they have a conversation with an atheist and they get flustered and say, you're just wrong. You're not going to believe my way. If you don't believe in God, you're going to hell. That's not, that's well, not, not, what, that's not what we're supposed to do. Well, yeah, but it's not so much about them standing up and saying, you know, having these conversations with atheists. It's more so about, um, you know, again, we ask for evidence and nothing is provided. And see, one thing I do, you know, if you've never listened to the show, I'm pretty fair and balanced about a lot of things because, you know, I've had, I've, I've told atheists to provide me with answers to claims that they've made as well. And so, you know, mm-hmm. it was more so about, you know, um, examining the broader picture. So examining, you know, how the Bible contradicts itself, examining, you know, the lives of, you know, the believers and seeing through a lot of the smoke and mirrors. And, again, I was a minister. I was involved in ministry. And I've had pastors tell me that it doesn't matter if I'm depressed. It doesn't matter if I'm having problems in my life. I'm supposed to exemplify joy and strength and, and, and hope. I'm supposed to give the people hope. Well, how can I give the people hope when I have no hope myself? Right, so they exactly. Were now, that's right. Well, I agree. I agree with that statement, but those very pastors are are errant in their in, in what they speak. But now I'm going to tell you, there are no such thing as contradictions in the Bible. And I will and 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 let me let me give an example. Okay, I believe I believe it takes more faith 
Now, I'm, I'm just looking at the uh, atheist side of it because it doesn't sound – if you're balanced, I don't think that you're an atheist. It, it just sounds like you're someone who just wants to choose to think on their own and, and make their own decisions in their life. Now, I'm just – I'm not categorically um, uh, placing you into a, a certain type. I'm just going by – you're right. I've never listened to the show. I like it. Um, so I just figured that I, I'd jump in. So many atheists. Matter of fact, I'm going on an atheist show tonight, and they asked me a question. Where did Cain get his wife? And I find it, I find it very troubling that um, an atheist would ask any kind of question about evidence because the scientific theory, in order for it to be science, it has okay, to be but wait Okay, but, you know, let's be fair. You know, my show today, we're talking about overcoming, taking control, and letting go, and I'm, I really want to stay on, on, on topic. But, you know, um, as far as, you know, you know, because I've evolved, and I've basically I've gotten to the point where I don't ask believers anything about um, giving evidence to the Bible because I just don't believe in it anymore. So, I mean, you know, I will give scripture. If you come to me with scripture, I'll give you scripture. If you come to me asking questions, then, yes, I may ask you something about the Bible. But just overall, no, because I'm at the point that I feel that when I ask you things about the Bible or challenge you on the Bible or try to debate you about the scriptures, then I'm reinforcing your belief. And I refuse to do that because okay, the and way that, that I, that's it, very. And, and I appreciate I appreciate that. I do find it disturbing that that you say you don't believe in the Bible, but you'll use scripture. Well, if you don't believe in it, then. Well, but the thing is, is that if someone's using scripture with me, then I feel that I need to use the point of reference that they understand. So you introduce the scripture to me. So if you're using that as a point of reference, as an intellectual. It's to my benefit to understand your point of re- reference and be able to relate to you. So, I mean, if you're talk- right. talking to me about when Hezekiah, you know, you know, apparently, you know, stopped everything, you know, for a minute, everything in the world stopped for a minute because he prayed for that, then I need to be able to talk to you about, you know, how, you know, the earth revolves around the sun. And how all you know uh-huh. how all of the astronomy works. So I mean, if you talk to me about Hezekiah, then I need to respond to you about Hezekiah. I can't respond to you with you know DeGrasse Tyson. You may not even know who that is. So I mean, if you come to me with a particular point of reference, I feel that it's responsible uh-huh. on my end to be able to respond in the same point of reference so that we can understand one another. And that's one of the problems that I've seen, you know, with some people in the atheist community as well as the religious community is that they don't know how to communicate and talk with one another, and they also have a hard time meeting people where they are, and that's why we miss a lot of people. And you know what? That very well said. Very well said. I will respect that. I think that that's a great answer. And um, However, I, I do know who Neil deGrasse Tyson is. He's actually been on my show. Um, oh, listen, uh, I'm not talking about you specifically. I'm just saying, you know. Oh, I know. Yeah, I, I, I know. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Um, I think... I think that, you know what, wow, that is, that is such a great point because most Christians today, 
most religious people, as you would say. Now, me, in my book, religion and Christianity are on opposite spectrums. Religion mm-hmm. is Catholicism. Christianity is Christianity. Religion says do, Jesus says done. Religion says slave, Jesus says son. So I think that they're on opposite spectrums. But, yes, I, I think that in, in, in this world today there's a lot of religious people that will that are so tight and staunch in what they believe in and they fear being open minded that doesn't change that doesn't mean that you change your beliefs but it's meeting people where they are instead of trying to push people to where you are so i agree with that i do agree with that statement and i think a lot of religious leaders now, uh, now I want to go back to that statement about Whitey. I think that there's a lot of religious leaders, black and white, that are causing people to become atheists. T.D. Jakes. Creflo Dollar. Okay? These, these little boys, you know, I, I say it on my show all the time, God will never send babies to do ministry work because they may just lose their pampers and crap all over the place. But the thing is is that, you know, and again, you know, we're going to talk a couple more seconds and then I have to get back. But, you know, it's not only just, you know, these megachurch pastors, but you have some of these smaller churches. Now, one thing that I will say is with some of the smaller churches, they are out in the community. They are doing what the Bible tells them to do you know, which is to go back out into the community because you will always have the poor amongst you. When the Bible talks about strangers, they're talking about homeless people. That's why, you know, I admire them having homeless ministries and getting out there. You know, I take nothing away from people who believe in social justice activism and that are out there right. and they have it as a part of their ministry. I admire that. I would never take that away from them. And that's why I have no problems working with progressive liberal ministers. You know, so I'm not adverse to, you know, working side by side with with a believer. Never had an issue with that. You know, our ideologies are different, but when it comes to dealing with the common person, you know, all of that goes to the back end. You know, you know, people need help. People need love. People need to feel, again, validated. People need to feel like they're not alone. People need to feel like they can take control back of their lives. They need examples. And when I say examples and role models, I'm not talking about an athlete or a celebrity. I'm talking about someone in their everyday life. But take, going back to all of that, um, you know, a lot of wrong has come through the ministry, the patriarchy, you know, the hierarchical systems, um, you know, the fiefdoms, the dynasties that many of these churches have on this earth. You know, when did a church become a family business that you pass down to your son and your grandson? You know, you're seeing a lot of this, and a lot of what's being taught in a church, a lot of what's being done in a church, it needs to be basically deconstructed and rebuilt, and a lot of it needs to be thrown out. But um, I agree. When it comes, yep. It, when it comes down to, um, you know, the Bible, people have used the Bible to justify some behaviors that have been destructive, and it continues to be destructive. And people are trying to use the scriptures to turn this country, in particular, to a theocracy. And I can guarantee that everybody would be miserable if we lived in a theocracy. Everybody. Because, again, you know, here we go. I'm going to use scripture with you. You know, with the Old Testament, if you broke one law, you broke them all. And, Mm -hmm. you know, from what I was told, Jesus came to fulfill the law. 
But yet, when you look at a church, they're still using some of the laws to justify. So why are they still asking people to type up? That's neither here nor there. But thank you, Stick Man, for calling. I have to get back to the subject. But, you know, maybe maybe send me a note. Um, Black uh, you know what? I'll, s- I'll, I'll, certainly t- I'll certainly send you a note because I, I feel I, I love. You know what? I'm going to start listening to your show. I feel a little bit cheated because you just you you gave this thing, and I had I have a great uh, point, but I don't want to take up too much time. So I'll share the answer via email um, because Jesus not only came to fulfill the law, but he promised that he not one jot or tittle would be done away with either. Just like a rapist, if a rapist is on trial, if a rapist is on trial, and or let's just take it one step deeper. If you're in the gallery and you're looking at the man that just raped and murdered your mom, okay? If that if the judge said, "I love you, you're free to go," you would be outraged because the sense of justice you would want justice to be done. And if our God is a God of love, okay, which He is, and anybody that doesn't know that, I'll point them to Calvary's cross. But he is also a God of justice and righteousness. And people don't want to hear that because they don't want to be held accountable for the decisions that they make. Thank you so much for having me on the show. But, but wait, 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 wait. I got I to respond real quick. Oh, okay. If he, is okay. God, if he is a God of justice and love, then why, why do we have entire, you know, countries starving? If he is a God of justice and love, how did he allow, you know, Jonestown to happen? If he is a God of justice and love, how, you know, any of the atrocities that we see, he's allowing that to happen. That is justice. And then you have people running around with this sowing and reaping and this karma, and they don't even understand what karma actually means from an Eastern philosophy. But if he's a God of justice and love, how is this? coming to pass because again if he was a just guy he wouldn't have allowed it to happen in the first place okay now so will you do we have time for that i can answer and respond intelligently and intellectually without using circular reasoning Sure, or do you want me to just answer? My answer to you okay. is God is, a, God is a God of justice. He is a God of love. He is a God of righteousness. And to answer your question about why are these things happening, because the world is sinful, okay? When Adam and Eve decided on their own accord to choose to, do, uh, to go against what God said, okay, sin entered into the world. It's we cannot blame God. I, I'll give you an example, and I'll use a worldly thing. Sandy Hook, okay, that, 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 that man of, of, of very troubled spirits, he went to that little school and shot all those children. The first, persons that, the first person that was interviewed is, I don't believe in God anymore because a God of love would never have allowed that to happen. Okay. But again, My, again, but don't let's go back because the thing is, is that basically it says, you know, from the Bible, what you all you believe that God is omniscient, all knowing. Um, you know, Correct. a lot of you believe in predestination that you know everything that you do and have ever done or are ever going to do was predestined before the foundation of the earth, right? So if it was predestined, he he knew that they were going to do these things, so he created his own problems. If you go back and you read Isaiah, I believe it's Isaiah forty-five and seven, he created good and evil. So he created these mm-hmm. things, he created these people, he created these thoughts, therefore he created his own problem. So, but anyway, again, like I said, I don't like, you know, 
going through these motions here, but, you know, I appreciate you calling in. Just email me, and, and, and we'll, we'll, Not start, a we'll, we'll start a dialogue, okay? Not a problem. God bless you, dear, and uh, I, I... Oh, okay. He hung up. All right, well, hey, so, yeah, that was, you know, uh, thanks, Stick Man. We thank him for calling in, and we appreciate it. I think this is Deborah on the line. Is that you, Deborah? Yes, it is. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm fine. I'm, I'm. You know, I was. I've been listening um, for about 15 minutes, and I mean, like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, explain slavery. Just explain slavery to me. You know. Right. 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 <laughs> you know, I don't understand what people are talking about. Sometimes, you know, we went through slavery. Yes. Yes. For centuries. We did. For centuries. And we still yeah, going through some kind of racism, and as and this God that they talk about is not mm-hmm. doing anything except the people who 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 are doing it. They they getting all the, all the perks. You understand? Right, exactly, exactly. You know they're getting and, all. And the, you but you it's, gonna it's, tell me God don't see that? Right. You got these people. And, and just last week, what got me so pissed mm-hmm. off? I was so pissed off. Because I heard this lady on, on our community station say, you know, you know, you got people who believe that we actually did wrong. Our ancestors did wrong. That's why we were in slavery. Yeah. They actually believe yeah. that. Exactly. You know? Yeah. That's you know, they believe that, crazy. you know, we're came for the sins of our forefathers or what have you. And it's just interesting in how people try to justify these things. And, um, again, you know, yes, you know, but that's the reason why I'm saying we have to overcome, take control, and let go because, you know, you have to overcome that type of thinking, you know. And we were not put in slavery because um, somebody sinned. Or anything like that, um, you know. It, it was pure capitalism, plain and simple, hmm. pure capitalism. Um, and you know, the Bible, you know, the Western interpretation of the Bible, because you know we've talked about how the Africans had a spirituality, and you know, again, they were teaching Christianity in Africa, certain parts of Africa. That's why we have the Ethiopic Bible. You understand? And so now, you know, over in West Africa, where the majority of us came from, where the majority of Africans that were brought over here, you know, the majority of us are from West Africa. You know, we're not from North Africa. We're not from Egypt. You know, we're not from South Africa. You know, we weren't frolicking around Sun City. We're from West Africa. And they had their own um, spirituality that they brought to America with them, and but they were not allowed to practice their own religion, their own spirituality. So what right. they did was incorporated that spirituality with Christianity, and that's the reason why okay. I say it's two different types of Christianity. I did a three-part mm-hmm. series of God concept, and I explained that in detail. And I, you know, I cited Michael Lackey's book throughout that whole three-part series. But what mm-hmm. they did was 
incorporated. Like when you see people dancing in a circle at church, you'll see them dancing in a circle. As a matter of fact, when you go to college parties and you see the sororities and the fraternities, they're doing right. a circle dance. They're dancing right. around in a circle, in the dance floors mm-hmm. in the middle. There's a reason for that. Exactly. It, it means something. That was part of the spirituality that was brought from Africa and incorporated in Christianity. So that's where some of the dancing and some of the shouting and all of that, this is their way of incorporating some of their, mm-hmm. so I mean, you know, that's why I tell people to go and learn the history, you know, of right. the Bible. I see yeah, Alfred online. I don't know if he wants to speak or not. Press one if you want to speak, Alfred. But stick man left. But, um, you know, the whole thing is really interesting. But, you know, that's what I'm saying, you know, learning how to let go of these things, and I feel personally part of being able to let go of the religion, let go of um, the religiosity that we have is to get a better understanding about it. I know people are like, well, why do you want us to go out and research it? I want you to go out and research so that you understand, because one of the one of the things that I hear quite often is, I don't understand. If you don't understand something, then you go look it up. Mm-hmm. You find out exactly. that you don't understand it. And, and exactly. this is what helped me. So you're taking back control of your mind. You're taking back control of your curiosity. Because that's one thing that I will say about religion. You know, it. You know, and especially with babies, you know, it, it quenches and it, 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 it crushes their curiosity. Mm-hmm. Because you'll have a person stop asking those questions. Go ask God. Or, you know, or you're asking too many questions. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's why you have some believers out here that, you know, feel that you don't question God. That is to say, have you over there shaking in your boots, scared silly that you're going to go to hell because you were asking too many questions. It's exactly. not that you were asking too many questions. They didn't have an answer, and you were making them look bad. Yeah, and they make you feel bad because... You ask the question. You understand? They're going to put you down. Exactly. So, you know, part of that is taking control and letting go of those old notions, letting go of some of that old thinking. I mean, it's important. You have to overcome these things. So that's why I say overcome, take control, and let go. It's important that you understand that. And, you um, you you know, how you identify things. I mean, just pay attention. You know, when uh, you see certain things on television, how religion is incorporated into a lot of these shows, um, you know, and I know it's hard. I know it's hard. You know, there are many non-believers that still attend church because, you know, different services. But in addition to that, you know, the social aspect. We're social beings. We want to be with other people. We want to be around exactly. other folks that, you know, relate to us. And we don't want to lose those relationships. You know, I've lost it's friends. A, it's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's a lonely road, man. When you, when you travel this road, it's lonely. Yeah. I'm going to tell yeah. you straight up. Family don't yeah. like you, you know. It's it's a lonely road. Simple exactly, as that. and part of, part of that is that one of the stages of grief, you know, part four. When I was talking about depression, the loneliness, the reflection, and you know, it's not easy. I see we got Alfred with his hand. Let's pull Alfred into the conversation. Hey, Alfred. Oh, he may press one. Okay, here we go. Stage. All right, can y'all hear me? Okay, yeah. yeah, we can hear you. Okay, I had to play with this Skype thing in order to get it to work. I'm sorry. But, yeah, I, I was trying to uh, get in when the uh, you had the caller in the theist. He seemed like a you know, pretty pretty decent guy, but he's 
the, the same fallacious appeal that many of them used. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that's why I was like, you know, just, you know, send me an email. And, you know, we went back and forth for a minute, but you of all people, you all know I don't debate the Bible. I don't debate at all, period. I'd rather have a conversation with you. So we're going to go back and forth, and maybe, you know, um, maybe he and I can do something one day. He can come on my show. I can go on his and so on and so forth. But, you know, I, I like having conversations. And so, you know, that was a relatively decent one because usually, you know, I end up getting called a bunch of names and all of that. So, you know, I appreciate his civility. But, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, and I wanted to make sure we get back on point because I just think it's important for people to understand what I went through with my transition out and what I had. Because, I mean, this gives people um, some hope, if you will, to let them know that, yeah, you'll be able to, you know, walk away and let go, but, you know, there are consequences, you know, and there will be people that will walk away from you and you're going to sit back and, you know, reflect on your life, reflect on decisions that you made, decisions that were made for you. I know my mom was really religious, and some of the decisions that were made, you know, had an impact on my life. And, you know, it has an impact on my life even to this day. But, you know, life goes on. And so, you know, the fifth stage of grief, you know, in this particular situation is the upward turn. And so, you know, part of the upward turn was when I found, you know, the communities on Facebook. So I started finding, you know, other people. I found some, you know, Latino atheists. I found some black atheists. I found some Asian atheists. You know, I found some of everybody. So I started seeing people that looked like me, and it was like, you know, um, like an awakening, if you will. And, you know, we were all like, we're not by ourselves. We found each other. And it turned into, you know, a big old celebration. It was like, you know, a family reunion. We were welcoming each other. I mean, four or five years ago on Facebook, when we started finding each other, and we found, the, you know, the black atheist groups that were out there, they were like, oh, hot damn, there is somebody like me. So that's why you see these groups popping up all over the country. You know, um, you know, Chicago, Los Angeles, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, D.C., you know, uh, all over the place. You have these groups. All over you the know, world. Exactly. Yeah, you got London black atheists. You know, you got, you know, black oh, atheists oh. in Africa. Exactly. You know, Jamaica, you know, and, you know, I'm just happy to see that because, you know, the other day, you know, one of my, you know, favorite commentators, I just love this man, um, you know, Jelani Cobb, he was on his wall and he was talking about the latest sermon from Jamal Bryant in which Jamal Bryant um, basically quoted a Chris Brown song and he said, these hoes ain't loyal. And in basically Jelani was saying that listening to that sermon made him, you know, happy to be an atheist. And I clicked like on it, and I said, there's a bunch of us out here, and I got a bunch of friend requests after that. But the thing is is that more and more prominent people, more and more visible people are coming out, and I really do believe that many of these people are now feeling comfortable and feeling the courage to come out because of us that have come out already. You know, we're out here. We're standing strong. We have these shows, you know, and it's going to expand. There's more to come. Trust me, there's more to come. And, oh, yeah. 
you know, and and we're out here. We're standing strong. We're you know we have we're talking to one another. We're finding one another, and we have not spontaneously combusted, you know, you know, because we no longer believe in God. None of that has happened, and so now you're getting more and more visible, you know, high profile people coming out, and this is a good thing. This is a very good thing. And so this is why, you know, I feel that atheism isn't enough. That's why I did that show, hey, black atheist, is atheism enough for you? No, it's not, which is why we're advocating social justice, which is why we're getting out there on June 27th for the um, National Testing, National HIV Testing Day. And we'll be out there handing out, you know, information where you can go get free anonymous testing, um, handing out, you know, condoms, dental dams, information like that, you know, encouraging people. In some cases, we'll be doing on-site testing. So that's just the mouth swab. And, you know, 20 minutes later, we can tell you if you're positive or negative. You need to know your status. We'll be going back out on World Age Day. Um, we're going to be giving away backpacks and school supplies to the kids. We're going to be doing some outreach to the homeless later on this year. We're going to be doing some outreach to to, you know, um, domestic abuse um, victims, and that can be women, men, children, the elderly. You know, you have elderly abuse. So each site will be doing something different, and we're encouraging you all to get out there and, and help and be a part of the solution. You know, with some of these people, they don't have anything. And it doesn't take much to help. You know, my thing is is that, you know, some people say, well, I don't have a lot of money. It's not about a lot of money. You can catch that sale at Target, you know, 10 reams of paper for a dime each. So, you know, that's a dollar. Bring 10 reams of paper, you know, that's helping 10 students out right there. You help 10 people with $1. You know, the little folders, you know, five for a dollar. You know, that helps. That helps. You know, and we, we want these babies to go back to school with the supplies that they need. We would give some of the extra supplies to the principal, to give to the teachers, for, you know, students that are disadvantaged because there is no reason for these kids not to get an education because they don't have the supplies needed. You know, um, we're going to be giving away food, and while we don't, celebrate Christmas or anything like that, you know, we do winter solstice or festivus, um, we're actually going to go to the uh, post office and get some of the letters that these children write to Santa Claus that the, that the post office tries to fulfill, and it's too many for them to do all on their own. We're going to try to get a few of those letters and read them and fulfill those children's wishes. Now, while we may not believe in Santa Claus or or Jesus dying on that day, I feel that because this is part of our culture, I don't feel that any child should wake up with nothing on Christmas Day if that's what they believe in. Every child should feel that they're special. You know, none of them should be waking up hungry either. So, you know, and that's throughout the year as far as being able to donate and give food. And this is why we're asking for donations. This is why, you know, we're trying to find permanent places so that we can do the food giveaway and, and, and do these things that are needed in the community. The church does not have a monopoly on this, and they shouldn't have a monopoly on it. And so this is why I feel that atheism isn't enough. You know, it's time, you know, when I say overcome, take control, and let go, I'm even talking about in this community overcome, you know, the stigma of atheists, you know, you know, out here pontificating about why there is no God. They want to debate, but beyond the debate, there is no action. 
you know, that's one of the stereotypes for atheists. No, we need to overcome that. You know, we need to take control of what we're doing, and many of us, especially, you know, now that we're dealing with a lot of minorities in the atheist community, you know, a lot of what many of us deal with is a little bit different than what some of these rich, the stereotype, rich, white, hetero male. You know, a lot of what we deal with is a little bit different than what they deal with. And this is what we're trying to explain. And then, you know, to let go of that religiosity. And, you know, when people come in, you sign a piece of paper, make sure you're within the district or what have you. You can give them the food and you tell them to, you know, enjoy. And, you know, maybe we can even print up some little recipes, you know, on you know, how to use butter and flour and sugar and make some cookies for the kids because you couldn't afford to go buy any cookies, but you can make your own butter cookies at home. Real easy recipes, things like that. I mean, that helps. That helps, and it turns into a project for the family. So, you know, you get with the kids, you let them mix the cookie dough, you let them, you know, flatten it out and put it on the cookie sheet, and here you go, you have an activity with the family as a family. You know, so, I mean, I mean, just little things like that. It makes a big difference. It makes a big difference. I am here to be of help, to be of service to others. And this is what has helped me because for a long time I was convinced that it was just religious people out here doing this. You know, there are a lot of, you know, atheist organizations out there. You know, a lot of people don't know that the ACLU is an atheist organization. Doctors Without Borders. I mean, there are just a number of them out there, and it's more and more. And I feel that we need to be a part of the solution not a part of the problem. Debating and all of that, that's fine if that's your thing, but I want to help people. I want to put a smile on somebody's face, at least for, you know, the few minutes that I am talking to them, knowing that I've helped them, you know, in, in, in what little way that I could. Because when you look at the, at, the, at the big picture, you know, it's, it's just a little bit, but that every little bit helps. You know, but, you know, again, you know, we talked about, you know, the upward turn, you know, when we found each other and started shows like this that people can listen to. You know, I have people telling me all the time how, you know, by listening to the show they got a better understanding as to, you know, why some people behave the way they do. And, you know, like I said, you know, a lot of these churches, some of them would do more outreach, but they can't find people to help them. They can't find the volunteers. They can't find the resources. We're experiencing the same thing in the atheist community. You know, we see a lot of people complaining about certain conditions, but when we ask for volunteers, when we ask for donations, you know, whether it's financial donations or even physical donations, because we're taking physical donations too, you know, we get crickets and tumbleweeds. We need, we need your help. You know, we need your help so that we can help other people. We need you to come out. Come out. You got, come on, bring it. You know, that's what we want. And so, you know, the next stage of grief is reconstruction and working through. And with me, I had to reconstruct my whole life, you know, not really wanting to run into some people that had shunned me, if you will. You know, I had to find, you know, different places to go. I had to find new sets of friends. Um, I had to work through some of my issues, some of my confusion, some of my anger, you know. So, you know, you go through that reconstruction because it's like you're rebuilding your life. It's like you're rebuilding your thinking. You know, you're rebuilding your emotional stability, your psychological stability. You, you know, it's, it's, it's just... It's like the dawning of a new era, if you will. You know, as, you know, religious people would say, a renewing of the mind. 
that's basically what you go through when you start shedding a lot of those old beliefs, shedding a lot of those old habits, shedding a lot of those old traditions. So, you know, you're reconstructing the way you think. You're reconstructing your life in a lot of different areas, and you're working through some issues. There are many things that I had repressed throughout the years, you know, being told that there is no answer or being told to search the scriptures or being told to take it up and pray to God and, you know, and, and, you know, I just figured I would never have any answers to those questions or it was just me and my way of thinking and I was thinking wrong. Like I said, people had told me that I was the only person that thought that way. And when we started finding each other, you know, we've been helping each other. This, a lot of this reconstruction that has been done has been done collectively. And we teach each other in the secular community. You know, I've learned things from a lot of people, and I like to believe that some people learn some things from me. And we're working it through, you know, and, and it's getting better. And yes, we fight, we argue, it happens. You know, we'll get over this shit and we'll move on. You know, we'll talk, we'll yell, we'll cry, and we'll move the hell on. You know, but, you know, one of the things that was hard for me to do as a believer, and it's a lot of believers that are like this, and there's also a lot of non-believers that are like this, I am now okay with telling someone that I don't know something. You know, I am now okay with saying I made a mistake, and I don't take those mistakes and make it the focus of the center of my life and not able to live it down. I make a mistake, I go correct it. In some cases, I make a mistake. I don't want to correct it. You know, that may change with time, but, you know, it happens. But being able to accept yourself, being able to accept the fact that you're not perfect, that you don't know everything, that you make mistakes, you know, but knowing that you can go back and correct those mistakes, you know, it's okay. It really is. It's okay to be you. You know, if you want to walk outside with, you know, polka dot pants and a striped shirt, you go for it. Go for it. It's okay to be you. And that's where that acceptance and hope, which is the seventh stage, acceptance and hope. You learn how to, number one, before you can accept anyone else, you have to learn how to accept yourself. You know, and, you know, I have a lot of hope. I have a lot of hope, a lot of hope, a lot of hope for humanity, a lot of hope for my life, a lot of hope for others, if you will. And, you know, with this community, there's so much that needs to be done. There's so much that can be done. We're in our infancy. We're in our infancy, and we're growing. There's more and more people coming out, which is why we have this podcast, which is why we have the webcast. I see you, 808. Give me a minute. And, which, and we have, you know, all of these other venues. We're trying to give people a soft place to land, and that's why we have people of color beyond faith. We want to bring in everyone because we want everyone to be a part of the dialogue. We want everyone to be a part of the conversation. We're not going to agree on everything. Trust me, you should go on some of these atheist groups. They fight about every damn thing. And so, you know, and it's funny to me. It, it, it's just interesting. But that's how you learn. And we're here to challenge one another. That's why I say we're here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. So not only do we challenge believers, we challenge non-believers too. That's what we're supposed to do. But most importantly, challenge yourself. That's the main thing that I want to stress and get through to everybody. You know, there's a part three of this that we'll be doing next week, and that will be growth and free thought and humanism. So, you know, I'm going to talk about my growth since I've been on this side 
of the equation. And, you know, it's just absolutely amazing. When I look at where I am now and where I was 15 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago, hell, 1 year ago. Let's bring 808 into the conversation. May we ask who's calling? Uh, my name is Frederick. How are you, Kim? Hey, good, Frederick. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I just um, this is my first time calling in. I just wanted to say uh, thank you for for your show. Um, I um, everything that you're saying is just completely uh, just confirmation for me. I, I, I left I left my church about a year ago, and uh, I guess I'm going through that that reconstruction phase that you were talking about. Yep. In that, yep. you know, I, all of my friends, um, most of them from the church. Uh, it was like what you were saying earlier. They they kind of think I'm crazy, and um, just because I you know I came out as as an atheist, you know I left the church and I, you know I, I criticize it a little a little bit, and um, you know I just it wasn't a lot of community. You know it's kind of, it was kind of like social suicide, and I didn't know that exactly. when um yeah yeah <laughs> when I <laughs> left I didn't know it would be like that. This is I'm I'm in Oahu. I'm sorry, babe. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. I'm in Oahu. Uh, Hawaii. Oh, oh, Hawaii! Oh, wow! Well, we gotta find you somebody out there in Hawaii to talk to. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my email address is blackfreethinkers at gmail dot com. Again, that's blackfreethinkers at gmail dot com. There's an S at the end. Blackfreethinkers at gmail dot com. And you know, if anybody is out there in Hawaii, you know, send hit me up on Facebook or Twitter or, or email me so that we can find Frederick some somebody to talk to. I mean, we have these programs here and see I was just talking to someone about you know, possibly choosing a different format that didn't have the call in. But, you know, I think we're going to stick with Blog Talk Radio for a while because I thank you for calling in. I appreciate it because you don't want to feel like you're alone out there, and you're not, and you're welcome to uh, call Kim? back any time. Yes, dear. Uh, I hate to cut you off. I just want to say uh, there's a guy in the Black Atheist Facebook group. Uh, he and his wife are, are both uh, atheists in Hawaii. And uh, I could, I'm could i actually sending you a message with his name so that they could uh, uh, link up possibly. So there oh, you go, great. Frederick. So, yeah, you send, you know, you can Facebook friend me. Look up Black Free Thinkers on Facebook. You'll see two profile. One is our page, like our page, and then send me a friend request, and then I'll get that information that Alfred gave to me to you. So then, you know, you can expand your horizon. So how about that? See, you know, you all ask, we'll find some answers for you. So that is wonderful, Frederick. You know, but, you know, welcome to the fold, if you will. And, you know, no, honey, it's not a figment of your imagination. Nation, you're not crazy. Trust me, you know, you're far from it. And, you know, one thing that I will say about a lot of the believers that I know, and I'm, I'm watching some of them go through an evolution. And, you know, there's a few of them. Yeah. There's one particular show on Blog Talk Radio, and they just love me. You know, they're a bunch of black Christians, and, you know, you know, I hate to say this, but sometimes we go and troll these mega pastors. And, you know, and they were laughing because they said they never thought that they would be hanging out with an atheist. And I'm like, I'm just like everybody else. I'm like, you know, we kind of have some of right. the same common goals. And so, you know, 
you know, they, they love me and I love them. Because, you know, we found, you know, where that common thread is, what we do have in common. But, um, you know, again, there are people evolving. Just, you know, sit back and watch some of your believers, for, you know, some of the believers, some of your old friends or current friends, and watch how their thinking is changing. Because many of them are questioning things. They're starting to question it. And this is happening across the board, black, white, yellow, blue, whatever. They're questioning things. And the one thing that has been the most detrimental to the church is this Internet. The Internet, right, the technology, right. oh, that put the nail in a coffin because people are Googling things now. People are reading the Bible like, that's not what that said, or they said that, but that's not what that meant. So, honey, if I can't do anything else for you, you know, I just want to encourage you, let you know that we are here to support you. As you can see, we're working together. We're networking now to try to find you somebody, you know, to at least talk to you. You know, you, know, you all may not get together and go, you know, have biscotti and tea, but at least you'll have someone that you can interact with every once in a while, and we'll see if we can find some groups in Hawaii for you. And you're on a big island at that, so... Um, man, so, I, you know, thank you, you know, because it does my heart well <laughs> to know that. Yeah, but no, I mean, I love these calls. And, baby, you know, we have over 245 shows. You know, um, I did a show talking about the God concept. It was a three-part show. And then I did a show on um, Privileged Mutiny. That was a three-part show. Those are some good starter shows, especially that God concept. You know, I was talking a little bit about that earlier, about how Christianity is viewed a little bit differently in a black community than the way it's viewed in a white community. You know, um, when Deborah was talking about slavery, you know, white people use Christianity to oppress, while black people use Christianity to cope. There is a difference. Yeah. And so... Yeah, so, you know, again, you know, yeah, we're talking about these stages of grief. So, yeah, I can see you going through the reconstruction and the working through because, yeah, you end up, you you have to reconstruct your life. You know, people that you were once friends with, you know, some of them don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. And you're reconstructing your life as well as reconstructing your thinking. And, you know, it's hard. And, you know, it goes back to that step where I was talking earlier about the loneliness. And that was depression, reflection, and loneliness. You know, you can't unlearn what you've learned. You know, and that kind right. of seeds of that anger because it's like, why did I do this? You know, because, I mean, honestly, it, it it is easier to be on that side of the equation to go along to get along, but you can't unlearn what you've learned. You can't unsee what you've seen. You can't unknow what you now know. So you just try to make the best of it, but it is lonely, baby. It is. So, I yeah, mean, honey, I, um, I just wanted to, uh, <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. I just, um, you know what? I just uh, had a had a question too. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, do you think that that these um, you know that that these pastors that are that are doing these things, like you know all the you know all the all the um, all the things that you mentioned, you know how black pastors are, like um, like the pastor who 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 I was with, you know, he was you know he was sleeping around with a secretary for years and years, and you know he used things like the Bible to. To, uh, mm-hmm. to get ties out of people, and he he did the whole pl- public shaming thing. It wasn't oh, uh, yes. obvious, but it was subtle. You know, it was a subtle type of shaming and a, a subtle type of 
control, very manipulative, all that type mm-hmm. of stuff. And, I mean, do you do, do you think people do that consciously, or do you think it's just a product of the system of religion, or you know, like you know how the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but you know, against? Do you think it's really religion that's causing people to do that, or do you think these pastors are really consciously? you know, attacking people and shaming people. Half and half. They know what they're doing. They're master manipulators. Look that up. Master manipulators. And you have a lot of sociopaths. You have a lot of sociopaths out there. You know, they know damn well what they're doing. Because when they get in the pulpit, let's say, you know, you wore your orange suit to church that Sunday. He wore his orange suit, but yours looked better. Okay, so now she's mad. She's mad because, you know, he was trying to be unique with his orange, but you were just wearing your new Easter gear, right? And so, uh, you know, he he preaches a whole sermon, and then he's throwing daggers at you. Now, you know, he's not saying your name because he can't say your name because you can turn around and sue him for public, you know, humiliation and harassment. But everybody knows he's talking about you, but this is his way of putting you in your place. You know, it happens all the time. It's a lot of abuse, a lot of dysfunction in the church. Yeah, I'm trying to recover from that. (laughs) I'm a musician, and um, I'm an LGBT LGBT, um, member as well. And so I'm a musician. I play, you know, I used to do all that type of stuff. um, And I I never hit it, you know. I never hit it like you were saying. I think you said that. You never hit it. I never did either. I just didn't talk about it, but I never hit it. Um, But one day they came to me and told me, I posted something on Facebook that wasn't crazy. It wasn't raunchy. I just said, I'm going to Gay Pride or something like that. And they told me I couldn't do that. And I couldn't serve anymore. And I couldn't play, you know, while doing that. And I was just like, you know, that kind of hurt me because I love music. And it was always about the music for me, never about, you know, church really. But um, so so he said that. And, um, you know, that kind of hurt. But I always wondered if he was doing it consciously, if he – you know, if he knew, you know, what he was doing to people. I've heard him say things to people, if you don't come to church, you know, your eczema is going to flare back up, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. And it's a mind game, you know. You know, I call them Jedi mind tricks. You know, I got a couple of shows about that. And they know exactly what they're doing. You know, if your eczema flares back up, it's probably because you don't ate something you shouldn't have eaten and you didn't know that was on a list of foods to not eat. You know, and and it's just, you know, he probably served it to you too. And, you know, that free dinner they be trying to give you. But, um, you know, yeah, no, honey, that is done on purpose. They are perfectly aware of what they're doing. It's a con game. Like I was saying earlier when Deborah was talking, it's a pyramid scheme. It's a Ponzi scheme. Only the people at the top, the pastor, his family, and his cronies, they're the only ones profiting from it. And it's, it's just it's so sad. It's so sad. It's so sad. <laughs> he um he built this big this big mansion, <laughs> this really big house, and you know and there's people that that give their tithes, but they're poor. They're really poor. And they need to keep that money, but right. they give it to him, and you know they they go lower and lower into poverty. And he's rising. Exactly. You know that's just that's horrible. Yeah. Cause exactly. they believe they're going to heaven. They they bind exactly. themselves into heaven. Right, and that's, that's what they think. 
Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why we do shows like this and some of the things, you know, the webcasts and some other things that are going to be implemented in the future, you know, as people start waking up and transitioning out. And like I said, we want to give them a safe place to land. But, you know, there are some programs um, that are going to be coming up. You know, I'm working on a few projects, and, you know, we want to help these people because, again, many of them, you know, you know, multi-generational, so, you know, have been in this church for four or five generations. This is what they've learned. They feel that if they don't tithe and give offerings or go to church, they're going to go to hell, or grandma is up there looking down on them, shaking her head. So, you know, you have a little bit of that guilt going on. And this is why we have to tear down those particular strongholds of, on their minds and on their emotions. And so that's why we do these shows, and we're like, that's not going to happen. And, you know, just like some people, some of these pastors, they tell people if you leave the church, God is going to, you know, curse you or God is going to, you know, put some type of plague on you. And let's say they left the church and, next thing they know, you know, they have high blood pressure. You know, some of the old people from the church or the pastor may get up there and preach, see, they left the church and now they got high blood pressure. See, God did that to them. And that's not true. You know, they they have high blood pressure probably because they have been ignoring it all this time. And it went from, you know, pre-hypertension to hypertension because, I mean, we have daily stresses. If you go and you look at the history, you know, of black people, you know, this is, you know, high blood pressure, hypertension. It's historical, and that's what I was saying earlier when I was talking about the prophets and the prophetesses and their little prophecies or prophet lies. You know, they mm-hmm. read the news, they understand that you know, you know, diabetes, blood, uh, high blood pressure, you know, um, thyroidism, and a number of other issues run rampant in the black community. It's going to be someone in that congregation with, 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 you know, one of these ailments. It's going to be someone in that congregation having problems on a job. It's going to be someone in that congregation who has a wayward child. <laughs> and it's not that the child is wayward. There are teenagers. Teenagers are going to rebel. See, people forget what they went through. That's why I get to laugh, and, you know, and my nieces and nephews, and now some of them have their own children, and I'm like, uh-huh, and, you know, they get to fuss, and I'm like, you did the same damn thing. When you right. were 13, you had your hair yellow and purple, and they were like, I don't remember that. I'm like, I do, because we laughed at you too. You cried. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, so you mad because your daughter, you know, dyed her hair pink. You did the same damn thing. And That's so, right. you know, it, you know it, it's just funny to me, but baby... I just want to let everybody out there, because, you know, Frederick, you know, you made my day, baby. You're not alone. You're not alone. Yes. Unity of <laughs> I appreciate that. I was, going to go to, I was going to go to a church today just, just because I just wanted to hear some music. And I was just like, well, maybe I'll go. And then I got online, and I, I saw, your, <laughs> your, saw your page. I said, well, they're starting at 11 o'clock. I said, well, I'll just hang on and um, just listen to you all. And it's just, it's just been so – I just – I was just shouting at the computer, like, yes, I just, it's such a relief to me to hear someone else verbalize what I've been thinking. <laughs> uh, I just, just wanted to call and tell you all that. Thank you. Thank you, <laughs> you for coming on. Yeah, you know, yeah. every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central, 
That's 8 a.m. Pacific. I don't know what damn time it is over there, but whatever that is, you know. But uh, <laughs> So, yeah, you know, 10 a.m. Central Time, 8 a.m., because I'm relocating to Los Angeles, you know, sometime this year. And so, you know, that's the reason why I pulled it up two hours. So when I moved to L.A., it would be 8 o'clock in the morning, and I'll be done by 10, and then, you know, I'll be able to do some other things that I need to do throughout the day, like have meetings and, you know, go to brunch every once in a while because forget that. That's one church thing that I ain't letting go. I love to be a good brunch. So, <laughs> you know, so that's how that goes. But, yeah, baby, you know, we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. Um, for the new people like Frederick, you know, I want you to look up um, Sakivu Hutchinson, S-I-K-I-V-U Hutchinson. Look her up. I want you to look up Anthony Penn, P-I-N-N. Again, that's Anthony Penn. I want you to look up Norm Allen, N-O-R-M-L-A-L-L-E-N. Let's see here. You can look up um, Annalise Fonza, A-N-N-A-L-I-S-E. F-O-N-Z-A. Um, of course, you can look up Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, let me see here. Oh, Chris Cameron, C-A-M-E-R-O-N, Chris Cameron. And there are a number of other, oh, Donald Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T. You know, these are some of our luminaries, you know, in the community. Get familiar with their work. They have a big body of work. And, oh, also look up Jeffrey Perry. And his website is Jeffrey B. Perry, P-E-R-R-Y, dot net. He does a lot about um, Hubert Henry Harrison, which is an atheist from way back in the black um, human, I mean, Harlem Renaissance. So he's the black properties. Oh, wow. So we did a show a few weeks ago. So look that up. It says Conversation with Jeffrey Perry. It's a two-and-a-half-hour show. It was exceptional. Exceptional. So with that, we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. We're on our way out. You all enjoy your Sunday. Have a wonderful, wonderful Sunday. Next Sunday, I'll be talking about my growth and thought and mechanism, tell you what I went through, where I am, and where I'm trying to go. And on that note, much love. And thank you. Did my heart well today, baby. Thank you so much for calling in. Everybody thank have you. a good weekend. Bye. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Have See a ya. good one.